Hello, hello. We welcome you today to Love is Spoken Queer, Gospel Topics, LGBTQ plus voices. I'm Dustin Larson. And I'm Renee Hernandez. And Renee, this is our special Easter episode. Yes, it might seem weird that it is coming to you almost a week early (laughs) before Easter, but that is what the manual has dictated this year from Come Follow Me. So you are getting your Easter lesson early. So that way, by the time Easter rolls around, you will be prepared and we will be hopefully part of your lesson. So we're just going to go about things a little bit differently this time. Instead of a regular status update, I thought it'd be fun to kind of share our favorite memories of Easter past, present, or future. (laughs) And so, Renee, who would you like to go first? Well, I feel like now we're doing a Christmas carol kind of spin. So uh, why don't you go first? You can share. So my favorite Easter memory is kind of one that I experienced when I moved to New York. And for those of you that aren't aware of some of the goings on in New York City during the Easter holiday is on Easter Sunday, out in front of, is it, what's the cathedral on Fifth Avenue? It's St. Patrick's. Is it? Yes, out in front of St. Patrick's Cathedral after their Easter Mass, there is what is called an Easter parade. And so what that entails is basically think of floats for your head. <laughs> so this Easter parade, has it started out like back in the day where, of course, you know, all those ladies of the church, they don their Easter bonnets, their Easter hats, and they were just fabulous and all that sort of stuff. But when they came out of the Mass, they caused such a stir that people would kind of gaggle and kind of look around and do all these things. And so little by little over the years, it started growing into this fabulous kind of what they call Easter parade. And now it's gotten to the point where the city blocks off fifth Avenue for a good part of the morning so that people can just mix and mingle and show off their hats. And they have some really extravagant hats usually. And I started going a couple years ago. Well, this is pre-pandemic. Unfortunately, it won't be happening this year. It didn't happen last year either. But, and I will post some pictures online of these hats, but they are some full-blown, no-holds-bar, no-holding-back hats. And my first experience with them was, it was so much fun because it kind of reminds me of like old-school drag queens too, because sometimes people bought their hats, but a lot of the times these are constructed by the people that wear them themselves. So there's paper mache, there's bird cages, there's flowers, there's this and that, but it's all handmade by the wearers. And some of them are absolutely gorgeous. Some of them are made of candy. Some of them are themed. Some of them are partnered. Like they're so much fun. So that's one of my favorite kind of Easter traditions from the past that I hope will pick up again once we're all able to mingle together safely. But just kind of being there, you saw people from all walks of life. You saw all colors, all shapes, all sexualities. Like you could tell like the drag drag queens were there. You could tell like everybody was just kind of mixing and mingling and they were all brought there for a very religious purpose. If the world could just be one big Easter parade with all these fabulous hats and everyone is just loving each other other's company, I think that would be a great thing for the world to experience. So that was, that's one of my favorite Easter memories that I hope will continue in the future. So Renee, what about you? Two thoughts first, if I may. Um, oh, go for it. First of all, you said fabulous enough times that I totally started singing the Sharpay Evans song. Uh, this is fabulous. Exactly. Uh. <laughs> totally. I'm so glad you sang it because I was about to and I would not have sounded as good. Is this my simple request? All things fabulous. Okay, that's your... better is, and best. <laughs> enough, enough, enough. You're canceled. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and the second thought I had is I remember you posting these pictures either, not last year, obviously, but the year before. I think you posted 
posted about them because, or either you or someone did because I was like, oh, how am I not there right now? <laughs> it was so amazing. All the hats and things like that in front of St. Patrick's. First of all, you have the, the beautiful layout of St. Patrick's mm-hmm. on Fifth Ave. And it's basically right across from uh, the Rockefeller. So you also have a lot of like that, you know, aesthetic already going on. And the color, the vibrancy, just the joy. Like, it was awesome. It's like, you just came out of this spiritual high and now you're just getting to have this cultural high. I'm sure it was just fantastic. So, but hey, so my highlight or uh, my, uh, my what is it? My update? No, your favorite, your favorite Easter memory. My favorite Easter memory. Um, okay, so I had to, uh, you know, review the archives of my memories because I am the worst. I am telling you, I am the worst at retaining memories of things that I have done but I do remember one really vividly in my mind. We were in California. So my mom, my dad's side of the family is in California. My mom's side of the family is from Utah. If anyone wanted to know my geographical family layout. And the rest is all in El Salvador, obviously. In California, we were with our family from my dad's side of the family. And he is his family is pretty big. Uh, same with my mom. They're all huge. So it was cousins, aunts, uh, uncles, like their kids, cousins, the whole shebang. We went to a big park. I don't remember. I remember it was huge, though, in California. Where in California? Don't ask. I don't know California well enough. It must have been like LA, Riverside, Pacoima. That's the area my dad's family's from. While we were there, our family basically hid the eggs. We had a huge barbecue, like, and this is like Latino barbecue, not like an American barbecue. It was like carne asada con tortillas, mm, yeah. uh, de pollo, you know, like arroz, casamiento, like you name it, bolillo, like the whole thing was there. So the cool thing with the eggs was not just the hiding part of it, which obviously they had delicious candy, which usually... My parents were the candy. They used to go to like a Mexican store, like, and then just buy all the Mexican candy because getting candy from El Salvador is a little trickier, right? It's further. It's easier to get the Mexican kind. But in some of the eggs, they would hide money. And so you wanted the money eggs. And so uh, I remember uh, that's the memory I have. So it's not like fantastic or anything. We don't really celebrate Easter in my family. It's more like just a meal thing. You know what I mean? We get together, but it's there's no like religious, at least that I can think of. There's never been a religious thing. I, I kept trying to remember when I was in El Salvador with my grandparents, if we did anything religious or Easter. I want to say we must have because my that's where I got my my religious like connection from is uh, in spiritual connections through my grandparents when they were erasing me. And so we must have done stuff. I just, I was too little. Maybe I can't remember, but yeah. So that's my uh, memory from Easter hiding eggs. Oh, well, yeah, that was a really great memory. I'm glad that you were able to find some. Did you find some of the money? Uh, Yeah. I was Uh, one of the older cousins. I was a boss at this point. Like I'm like, get out of my way. Oh no. (laughs) This is going to put me on a bad light, but growing up, I was such a manipulator. I am such a humble, kind, wonderful human being now who loves honesty but growing up, mm-mm-mm. if I wanted it, it would be mine. <laughs> well, let's test that humility you have there and see just how good your haiku Luya is, because that's something that can knock you down to size. <laughs> All right, fine. Does that mean you want me to start with the haiku? Yes, yes. Okay, perfect. First of all, that was a great, like, it was the most seamless introduction I've ever seen you do. (laughs) I feel like in the other ways you set yourself up, this one was perfectly done. So now, Renee, you may wow us, and we'll just see how humble you are afterwards. (laughs) And for those who are wondering, we are looking at Kalia from the perspective of Easter. (laughs) So very simple and and basic. My Easter, uh, hi, Kalia. Rejoice, it is time. Easter comes to announce him. The Lord has risen. Yay! He has risen. He is risen. Here is my haikuleluya in regards to Easter. 
we must not forget Christ's atonement excludes none. We are all alike. There we go. And so that is a great segue into the next part of this episode. And it's we're going to do things a little bit differently. I'm not going to ask you what Easter means to you as a queer person of faith. I'm just now going to open it up to the discussion. And in the manual, they had a lot of different scriptures that related to Easter, whether it was personal experiences by Joseph Smith or just the Easter holiday in general, as it relates to the atonement and the resurrection and all of that. So Renee, was there a specific section of this lesson that jumped out at you or that you really resonated with that you'd like to give your thoughts on? Yes, actually. Ironically, it's not in the whole section on it. They reference a hymn called the I Know That My Redeemer Lives. And that's actually what I wanted to talk about. I was reflecting on just the lesson on Easter and everything. And a thought popped into my mind that pops in often. And so, um, and I think I've shared some of it in the past. I'm a convert to the church, right? I I, I was raised Catholic, uh, Roman Catholic with my grandparents. Mostly my, my parents weren't practicing Roman Catholics. So you could say like they were the quotation Catholics, right? My grandma and grandpa were not. And so um, while my parents were here in the States, I grew up with them for like five years or so from like one till six, I think. And in that time, I was introduced to the Lord. And I grew to love and admire everything the Lord represented. But something that always kind of tweaked me, I saw the Lord as this very omnipotent, incredible big brother, like figure of light and just incredibleness, right? And all the depictions that I would see in the Catholic Church were usually about like Christ on the cross or like I was wearing, you know, Christ on the cross and everything like that. And I'm like, and I understood it was like remembering his sacrifice and what he'd done for us, which is awesome. But something that I've come to love about the LDS church, especially after I converted, and one of the reasons, actually probably one of like maybe like 67% of the reason I converted was the imagery that we portrayed Christ in. And we highlight him most in his risen state, in his state of glorified characteristics. And I love that. I love that we admire the living Christ. And so this hymn and the fact that it's Easter just like really made me reflect on that part of my conversion story where I really felt like I came to not just personally have a testimony of the Lord, but be be able to visually see what my testimony told me he should look like or he should resemble. And again, I don't know if this is the experience for every Roman Catholic out there. That was just my own personal experience on the imagery that I grew up with. And some of the lyrics, for those that have never heard it, or if you want to listen to it or look it up, it's hymn 136. I know that my Redeemer lives. And it goes starts really simple. It says like, I know that my Redeemer lives. What comfort his sweet, this sweet sentence gives. He lives, he lives who once was dead. He lives my ever living head. He lives to bless me with his love. And then it just goes on to talk about like all the different ways that the Lord helps you. Like he blesses me with, you know, like he feeds my soul. Uh, He's there when I need him. He helps me have the things that I need. He guides me. He protects me. He grants me faith. Like, and in my life, especially recently, right, with like breaking up with Tommy and just like falling behind on all my schoolwork and everything and just the stresses of life, I've relied on the Lord more than any other time in my life. And knowing that he lives and that he is this incredible individual that still treats me as his equal, his brother, and is there for me just really, really is very powerful for me. And so reading this hymn, especially as I've just read all the other stuff in the in, in this section of Come Follow Me, the hymn really stood out to me just because of what the lyrics were saying, all the different ways ways that he is there. And because he lives, he's able to do this. He's not dead. It's not like in the past. It is current. It is happening now. And 
I love that so much. So yeah, so that, that's kind of what I got and how it related to my experience a bit of, yeah, my Easter experience with the Lord. Thank you for sharing that because I think it's really great to show as queer people of faith, just we can still get excited about our relationships with Heavenly Father in Christ. And sometimes these holidays that come around that really commemorate the birth of Christ, Christmas, and then the resurrection and the fulfillment of the atonement, which is Easter, sometimes are kind of dark days for queer people of faith, because it's a reminder that they're not good enough in the eyes of some members of the church and the some members of society. But we need to remind them that that's not the case, because that is man's view of them and not God's view. And like I said, in my Luya, that Christ's atonement excludes no one if we turn to him in times of need or we turn to him in, in times of grace and humility and we are all alike unto him. So we just need to remind ourselves that just because society tells us we're not good enough doesn't mean that that's the case. That's one person's opinion and the only person's opinion that really matters is ours and Christ. So thank you for sharing that. The thing that jumped out at me in the manual was they begin it by talking about how Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery on Easter Sunday, after they administered the sacrament and dedicated the Kirkland Temple, they went behind a veil and they started praying and then Christ actually appeared to them. And that's in Doctrine and Covenants chapter 110. And I just kind of wanted to read through it real fast because there's really not that many verses. And I just thought it was just a great experience to see that it was on the day that they were celebrating the fact that he was risen. And then they saw actual evidence that he had risen and was standing there in front of them. And the messaging that he gave them was just so powerful that I just want to read through it real fast. So it says, the veil was taken from our minds and the eyes of our understanding were opened. We saw the Lord standing upon the breastwork of the pulpit before us and under his feet was a paved work of pure gold in color like amber. His eyes were as a flame of fire. The hair of his head was bright like the pure snow. His countenance shone above the brightness of the sun, and his voice was as the sound of the rushing of great waters, even the voice of Jehovah, saying, I am the first and the last. I am he who liveth. I am he who was slain. I am your advocate with the Father. Behold, your sins are forgiven you. You are clean before me. Therefore, lift up your heads and rejoice. Let the hearts of your brethren rejoice and let the hearts of all my people rejoice who have with their might built this house to my name. For behold, I have accepted this house and my name shall be here and I will manifest myself to my people in mercy in this house. Yea, I will appear unto my servants and speak unto them with my own voice if my people will keep my commandments and do not pollute this holy house. Yea, the hearts of thousands and tens of thousands shall greatly rejoice in consequence of the blessings which shall be poured out and the endowment which my servants have been endowed in this house. And the fame of this house shall spread to foreign lands and this is the beginning of the blessing which shall be poured out upon the heads of my people, even so. Amen. And there were two verses in there that really jumped out at me. Number four, where it says, I'm the first and the last. I am he who liveth. I am he who is slain. And this part is what really jumped out at me. I am your advocate with the Father. And I said, as a queer person of faith, I find comfort in knowing Christ understands my unique experiences and has promised to serve as my advocate both here on earth and in heaven. So that really jumped out at me because in all the experiences that we have on earth, whether it's combatant church leaders or civil leaders or just our neighbor 
we are never fully alone because we always have this advocate in Christ that is always fighting on our behalf. And he's never going to leave us because again, like I said, as long as we turn to him, he's always going to be there because that's him upholding his end of his promise. And the other verse that jumped out at me is verse six. It says, let the hearts of your brethren rejoice and let the hearts of all my people rejoice who have with their might built this house to my name. And I said, as a queer person of faith, we can rejoice in knowing that if we gather together in Christ's name, he will be there also. This gathering can occur either physically or within our hearts. It is the same to him. And I remember we were talking about this before when the church was gathering together and they were fulfilling the calling of establishing the church. And Christ was saying, if there's at least two people there that are there for the purpose of of righteousness and there for the purpose of following my my example, then I will be there also. And I really feel like this is a great reiteration of that, saying that we have reason to rejoice because if we as queer people of faith gather together with our hearts turned to Christ, he will be found there also. And sometimes that's not possible to be doing in an actual physical building, whether it's a pandemic or whether we don't feel welcome there. But if we are rejoicing together in our hearts and we know there are other queer people of faith that are sharing that feeling within their hearts, Christ will be with us whether we know it or not. And so I really love those scriptures because it really reminds us that the atonement is for everyone. And, you know, I really love a lot of the stuff you said, just like I was it, it just made me reflect on something that happened to me at church today. So I run the broadcast for church. So usually I'm sitting in the overflow, you know, with the camera managing everything. And I was looking out at everybody and some of the people that were in the overflow flow with me. And I realized that at least presenting wise and just knowing the community, like I was the only Hispanic dude there, like the only person of color. And then I was also thinking about it. I'm like, and I could be wrong, just, you know, visually from what I knew. And also I was pretty sure I'm the only queer person there. And I wondered why I didn't, I mean, there's probably a lot of reasons. I didn't feel 100% alone or anything like that in that experience. But as you were talking and sharing that sense of equality with the Lord and the way he treats us and loves us and how he's an advocate for all of us equally and everything like that from the scripture you were sharing, it made me think that that's one thing that I know for sure that my testimony is founded on is on the fact that the Lord sees me for all the pieces of who I am as a queer member, as a, his, a Latinx member, if you, if you prefer that terminology, as an immigrant, as a you know first generation, as everything. And I really love that because it still gave me a sense of belonging while I was at church, even though like in some other elements, like, and, and that's not, and that's not always 100%, right? Like there's days where a little bit having more representation of like people who are similar to you is really awesome. But in that moment, as you were speaking, that brought up that memory and gave me reassurance that while I did feel alone in the sense of my queerness and my heritage, I didn't feel alone in my spiritual belief of the Lord. And I know that basically everybody there felt the same way. And that was kind of cool. And so I just wanted to share that like prompting or thought that came into came to mind. Well, thank you for sharing that. That was a really beautiful thought on on my thoughts. And that's a perfect segue into how we're going to wrap up this episode. We're going to do something a little bit differently. No break because it's a shorter kind of episode. Rather than giving our weekly calling, how about we describe what we're hoping to feel or experience from Easter this year or words of advice for those listening out there that are kind of worried about what may come this coming weekend? Because not only is it Easter, but it's also a general conference. So Renee, would you like to go first? Yeah, I would love to actually. So recently in one of my institute classes, we've been learning about women in the scriptures and we learned about Mary. Magdalene and when she's at the tomb right after he's risen and he doesn't she doesn't quite recognize who he is 
And he, she asks, like, who are you, basically? And eventually she figures out that it's the Lord in his risen state. And so I guess that is my feelings and also my hopes for everybody is that if you don't feel like you know who the Lord is or you feel like you've forgotten who he is, take the time to, if you so desire, to ask who he is and let him show you. Because one of the most beautiful blessings you can get in your life is to discover that there's more individuals on your side than you believe there are. And to know that you're not alone, even though you cannot see him. I personally believe with my own testimony that you will feel him in more ways than your eyes would ever need to see him. And that is my testimony on that. And I invite everybody to really not just look at the Lord and his risen state, but all the individuals too that provide similar feelings in our lives as the Lord does of love protection, guidance, and a whole bunch of other things. And so that is my hope and my advice as Easter approaches to bring the Lord into your life, but at the same time to, you know, ask who he is and he'll definitely show you. Thank you for sharing that. I am looking forward to this Easter season. I at first was like, uh, we have Easter and general conference on the same day. Give me time to breathe. But I'm now seeing that as a blessing because it'll allow me to focus solely on the reason for the season and not to be distracted by anything else. And so I'm really looking forward to kind of unplugging for this, this coming Easter Sunday, meaning like only focus on general conference and not so much on social media or the news or anything like that, because I know there's a lot of stuff going on in the world today that is frustrating and can really drain you emotionally, mentally, spiritually, all of that. I'm really looking forward to an unplugged Easter that will hopefully bring me closer to God and strengthen my testimony and my relationship with Christ and everything that he sacrificed for me. And I encourage listeners out there to do the same thing. Like if this is a holiday that makes you uncomfortable for various reasons, just unplug from the world for that moment and have it be a you day where you don't have to wish anybody happy Easter. You don't have to get any happy Easter's from anyone. Just really take the day to be with you and with Christ or God or whatever deity you now find comfort in. And just take the day for soul searching and finding your spirituality or reconnecting with it, because I think that will actually help you feel better about whatever situation you're in at the moment. And so listeners, if you have anything that you'd like to add to today's episode, maybe you have some fun Easter memories that you'd like to share that we can share to other listeners, feel free to send those in to lovespokenqueer at gmail.com or send them through a direct message on our social, which is Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And again, this is another short kind of little episode. It's kind of in between a bonusode and a regular episode. It's like a minisode <laughs> or something like that. But anyways, with that, I think the last thing we have to say is remember to be true to you and love one another. Until next time. Take bye. Care, You've just listened to another episode of Love is Spoken Queer. If you want to join in on the conversation, feel free to send us an email at our Gmail account, which is lovespokenqueer at gmail.com, or send us a direct message on our social channels. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you really love our episodes and our show, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. That is the fastest way for us to share our words with everyone out there. So again, thank you for listening.